This uh, beautiful poem is probably the most loved chapter in the whole Bible. It's uh, arguably so. And uh, David wrote it before he killed uh, Goliath, and so he wrote it in his middle teens. Yeah, middle teens, when he was, I don't know, 15 more or less. Uh, I've known a few teenagers like him who loved God and were afraid of nothing, and they put their trust in the Lord daily. I'm glad to be able to say that. Uh, and he was responsible, David, as the youngest child in the family to tend the sheep. And so he watched over them and he, he took care of, uh, of them day after day. He defended them as needed. And as we take a good look at this psalm, we're going to see how our great shepherd, Jesus, takes care of the flock that is the church. We'll see why Jesus refers to the church as his flock of sheep. And we will see reflections of ourselves throughout. A lot of what I'm going to share comes from working with sheep on a farm in Missouri when I used to live there. My friend Alan, who is my closest friend in the world, uh, he, had, he has a farm that's um, 300 plus acres, and he used to have sheep. And my wife and I, and my wife and my daughter and I used to help with them all the time. He's got uh, cattle now. He does Black Angus cattle, so uh, he switched over. But... Um, the sheep, they have never left my, uh, I've, I've always loved them ever since I started to work around them. So as we see there, as Lynette read in uh, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Uh, well, first of all, who is the Lord? Well, he's the God who cares. And he's the God who's big enough to handle anything that comes our way. Oddly, too often we don't allow him to have complete authority in our lives. And we'll see in this psalm that if we will learn to submit to him with a right relationship under his shepherding, it will always be the best path for us to take. David understood that, of course, and he wrote these words with conviction and with devotion and with admiration. He's practically boasting, look who my shepherd is. He knew what a difference a good shepherd makes for a flock of sheep. Under an uncaring shepherd, sheep struggle. But under a good shepherd, they flourish. I imagine David sitting under the starry sky at night, observing what God had created. And he had delight in the knowledge that this same creator of the starry host, of all of that splendor, He's the same one who is his Lord. Who better to care for David than this creator? Countless people, of course, know that feeling. I remember the first time that that became really conscious to me. I was 14 years old, just barely by a few weeks. It was February uh, of when I was, uh, in the, uh, I was in the Boy Scouts. And I loved being a Boy Scout. And I'd just been elected to what we call the, the Order of the Arrow, which is uh, kind of a, you get elected by your peers if uh, you do certain things that they think are noteworthy. And uh, after a weekend of uh, normal kind of stuff that you do in Boy Scouts, you know, where you display your skills on uh, like map reading and uh, fire building, etc. 
and, uh, and then also for the candidates uh, to possibly be joining in the Order of the Arrow, total silence for 24 hours. That one was really hard for me, yeah, but I barely made it. But I remember in, at the campfire the night being tapped out, as they say, and being taken out by a couple of others um, to a remote spot, and they just said, you'll stay the night here. I, all I had was my sleeping bag, and uh, it was a frosty night in February in the mountains, and I remember the starry sky, it was, there was not a cloud in the sky, and I, I had the best time to that point in my life of praying, and it's just, I prayed for, I don't know, quite a long time, and it was just a rich experience, and I'm thinking David, in a similar kind of a way, as he's writing this psalm under that starry sky at night, well, we all need a good shepherd. Note what Jesus said over in John chapter 10. There we re read in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's, of course, Jesus speaking. Indeed, sheep, they don't take care of themselves. They actually require more attention and more care than any other class of livestock. Sheep get stuck in some sticky situations and they need their shepherd to save them. Sometimes they get caught in brambles or they get their head caught in a fence. And, you know, doesn't that figuratively sound like some of us? Where we get stuck in sticky situations, we get our head caught in some place and we say, I need some help. I really need some help. Well, you know, that's what Jesus is all about as our shepherd is helping us as we need it. I'm amazed at how many people that I run into who they want to run their own lives and they end up making a mess of it and they need to learn to submit under his care. By the way, sheep were and still are marked on the ears to show who they belong to. Figuratively speaking, does your mark show that you belong to him? In the places where you go, are people aware that you are one of the sheep that is under the shepherd's care? Let's finish this. I shall not be in want, or I shall not lack. This shows complete satisfaction with the owner. Even when we face tough situations, we don't lack under his care. Contentment should be the hallmark of being under the Lord's management. You know, we live in a day when all around us, people are bankrupt of spiritual values. There's like serious lack of understanding of what the scripture is all about. Just yesterday, I was down in uh, Westford. I, was, I had uh, 12... Uh, hospice visits in my, my chaplain role for uh, Compassus Hospice, and uh, I was writing some notes on one of the people that I just visited with uh, over in a side room, and there was a television going, and one person watching it, and the show that was on the TV was that uh, show with a cab driver in New York City, and uh, you get in, and, and you, oh, look, look who I'm with, and they, they're filming you. And they ask you questions, and you can earn some money if you get the questions right. And one of the questions 
the three women got together, the, these three ladies traveling together. The question was, can you name the book in the Bible that has 150 songs? The three of them are going, like, let me see. Oh, my goodness. I don't buy That's a hard one. Oh, my. Uh, time's running out, ladies. Um, 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 Solomon. Sorry, ladies. That's not right. It's Psalms. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. It's that bad? It is that bad. So many people who are bankrupt of spiritual values, they miss out compared to those of us who are under the care of the great shepherd. Certainly, we are not exempt, of course, from the storms of life. However, our shepherd goes to great lengths to provide excellent grazing and shelter and protection from enemies and disease and parasites, figuratively speaking. But still, some Christians are not content because they're what we call fence crawlers. They are the ones that want the best of both worlds. My friend Alan, he had some sheep like this. They were beautiful. They were, they were well-proportioned. They had excellent wool, and they had sturdy offspring. But the problem that they had was that they were discontent in spite of the best care that they could have. They were always ones that wanted to walk along the edge looking for a way to get out, looking for a loophole, so to speak. Sometimes with a particularly obstinate sheep, Alan would have to butcher it in order to save the whole herd because sometimes those fence crawlers tended to lead all the rest of them astray. I often helped him with that particular kind of chore. We see disciplinary situations in the New Testament where church leaders had to deal with difficult circumstances like that. I can remember one church where I served over in Pennsylvania. We had a man uh, in our church named Ron. Ron was a very gifted individual. He was uh, exceptionally high intelligence. Uh, he was retired early from uh, being a state policeman. He, was, he did an exceptional job in that role. He was also gifted artistically in a unique kind of a way. He liked to make um, muzzleloaders, uh, replicas of the Hawkins from the days of our Revolutionary War. And he did, did beautiful artwork on those things. And they would often be uh, used as uh, fundraisers for uh, like the local fire department, that kind of thing. And uh, Ron, though, had this uh, attitude that he's always right and everybody else is always wrong unless they're agreeing with him. And that's just not reality. And I remember he, he really had an issue one day as we started in worship and uh, he was really fuming because um, like Tiffany sometimes does, uh, she, the worship leader in this case, uh, did the same as Tiffany does and took one of the old favorite hymns and put it with some modern music. And it was really nice. And Ron had grabbed his hymn book and realized it wasn't exactly the same and he slammed it shut and went stomping out of church. And everybody's like, oh 
my goodness, what just happened? So I had to confront Ryan. You know how hard it is to confront guys that are really gifted? Hardest thing I ever had to do. But I did. Well, I'm leaving this church, and this church will never survive without me. And over the next six months, an interesting thing happened. Church attendance went up about 20%. And one person after another said, I'm so glad I can come to the church here now because I heard that Ron was gone. <laughs> oh, my. Sometimes, sometimes, shepherds have to deal with some really difficult things. And we need to make their life a little better so they don't have to do that. All right, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. You know what? For sheep to lie down, they have to be free of fear and free of friction, free of pests and parasites and flies, and free from hunger. The shepherd has responsibility over all of these. But you see, when a flock is restless, agitated, disturbed, it never does well. The same is true of people, right? Sheep are timid and even a jackrabbit can make them uh, bolt in fear at, at times. And a shepherd learns quickly to protect his flock from fear. David defended his, his flock from bears and lions. We read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34. That's where he was just about to go defeat Goliath. And he is being questioned by King Saul. He's describing, well, you know what? When these things came to attack the sheep, I, well, I killed them. Of course he did. My friend Alan, he used Pyrenees dogs. In fact, my favorites were Kate and Willie. Some people use a donkey, a llama, or a yama, uh, they ward off coyotes or other predators. And of course, many shepherds, they sleep with one eye open, figuratively speaking, with a rifle in hand. When the shepherd is near, his presence dispels fear. We read over in uh, Psalm 4, verse 8. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. We also need to be free from friction. Like chickens who have a pecking order, sheep have a budding order. We read about in Ezekiel chapter 34. Budding, of course, causes tension and weight loss in the animals that you don't want them to lose weight. I know some of us can kind of lose some weight, me especially, but uh, the presence of the shepherd stops fighting. And in 1 Timothy, we read chapter 6, verse 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, when the shepherd is present and people are content, there's great gain. And they're in that environment, less aggressive sheep have greater contentment. There's something for us to learn from that. They also need to be free from insects. And various kinds of insect repellent, of course, can help. 
uh, more on that later, but for people, it's the oil of the Holy Spirit that is needed for calmness in the face of life's challenges. And then there's the freedom from fear. My friend Alan, he would uh, rotate the fields that he would have for uh, daytime pastures for the sheep to be in. Uh, they, uh, he would tend the soil, of course, and get it all ready and then get that, uh, the, the grasses growing up really good there and then move them from one field to another. And of course, our shepherd moves us from field to field too, figuratively speaking. Moves us from his word. He moves us into fellowship. He moves us in worship. He moves us in sharing of our faith. He moves us in mission trips and so much more. To see sheep react when they move to a different field is really a wonderful thing. They're sort of like children that are entering into the gates of their favorite amusement park. It's like, oh, I'm excited. This is going to be awesome. For Christians, some don't experience much of the lying down in green pastures because they don't let the good shepherd do all that he can in their lives. And then there's the quiet waters. Sheep are not great swimmers. And so a good shepherd leads, leads them to life-sustaining water that is free from parasites and all that. Uh, and in winter, you might even have to break the ice for them. But fast-flowing water scares them. And so that's why quiet waters. So when the shepherd brings them to that water, it's refreshing and delightful to them. For people, it's all about the water of the Holy Spirit, a quiet time when Christians can drink from the proverbial well. I've noted over the years that Christians who make a daily habit of drinking from his word and prayer, especially in the morning, they tend to be healthy sheep. He restores my soul, as we read in Psalm 42 and uh, I'm sorry, we read that in Psalm 23, but over a connected verse in Psalm 42, we read in uh, verse 11, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. You see, being downcast or cast down, that's for a sheep, it is referring to being upside down or in danger. For sheep, when they have a lot of wool, if they lay kind of, kind of in a, a low spot, all of a sudden, with, because of the wool, they can't, they can't get back up. And so they're with their feet in the air, going, ah, 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 you know, and the shepherd comes on over and helps them get back on their feet. It's a simple thing, but it's a dangerous thing if we're cast down and we're stuck in that position for a long time. Too much softness is dangerous for people, too. That may have been the issue for the rich young ruler that we read about in Mark chapter 10. Or we read something similar in, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. By the way, wool in Scripture represents the old self-life of Christians. And it clings to us and it weighs us down. Significantly, no high priest, in the old, as we read in the Old Testament, was permitted to wear wool 
into the Holy of Holies in the temple. Wool represented pride and self and personal preference, and God would not tolerate it. So, a shepherd then, of course, shears off the wool. When they're put in the right position, by the way, sheep, when you, my job was always pulling the sheep individually over to Alan, who was the one that was shearing the sheep. And uh, it, it's, it's always humorous because all of a sudden they're doing all this bleeding and then you put them on their rear end and all of a sudden they go, what? Anybody else besides me ever been around sheep and seen that? Yeah, several have. Yeah, it's really a, it's quite the hoot, you know? So, you know, Shepard then, of course, you know, goes down the back and runs the, the trim, the, you know, trims that will, there's the whole process that's kind of neat. But uh, it's, it's just interesting to see that silence. Uh, another thing to keep in mind about uh, being passed down is sometimes that's caused by being too fat. And uh, we read something in Luke chapter 12 that's interesting. I'll let you cover that one on your own. But we need to think in terms of being healthy under the care of our shepherd. We read on, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep, by the way, are creatures of habit. And they will take the same trails and they will make ruts and pollute the ground if they're allowed to. But, as we read in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, so many people want to go their own way, uh, just like sheep do. And this is where we end up in making ruts and basically polluting everything that's around us. And so management is necessary for people the same as it is for sheep. Remember what I said about moving them into a new field? Well, when sheep are managed well, they can restore a pasture that's in bad shape because they're actually, their manure is running, wanted for gardens in the right amount, of course. The sheep have a four-chamber stomach and a 104 body uh, temperature, and so the manure is perfect because when they eat the various things that they do, such as corn, uh, they, they don't have any volunteers to show up later on in your garden. So you don't have corn stalks showing up in the middle of your tomatoes, okay? So it makes, it's actually really good. So the whole point, of course, as we read in Psalm 23, is that when we see sheep under good management, we say, wow, that's really good. The same thing is true for us. When we submit under our good shepherd, we find ourselves being a product to our world that is really uh, beneficial to everything that is around us. We read on, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The shepherd takes the time to go up to the summer range, which is in the higher ground in Israel. He takes the time ahead of time to go and prepare all of that. And this, of course, requires going through some dangerous valleys to get there. In David's day, of course, there were lions and there were bears, besides other, <coughs> other predators. And in the Christian life, we sometimes talk about 
wanting to go to higher ground with God. You know, mountaintop experiences don't just happen. I suppose this whole thought process started with Moses when he got the Ten Commandments up on uh, Mount Horeb, uh, when he had that particular mountaintop experience. But we've known throughout history when others of us have experienced times when we've gone up to a place such as a mountaintop to get alone with God or to be with God, to find that the benefit is of extreme value to us. But in the process of going there, we have to walk through places of trusting the shepherd in order to get there. Those places are different from one person to another. And so the closer we stay to the shepherd in our walk, the better. We discover that he, of course, is our source of strength. A beautiful sidelight to going through a valley with him is that we are then able to become an under-shepherd who can assist others in guiding through others in that same valley. I just had that experience um, two weeks ago. I was in uh, Cape Town, South Africa for a one-week mission trip. Uh, two weeks ago, I was wrapping that trip up. And in the process of being there, I got to, it was a medical mission trip and I was one of 12, uh, I got chosen by my company, and um, I got to be the chaplain for the group. And in, in that role, I got to make a difference for some of the others who had not had those kinds of experiences previously. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, the rod was a weapon of power and of authority and of defense that was used by shepherds. The rod, of course, speaks of the spoken word and the expressed intent and the will of God in dealing with mankind. In Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 37, we read about the sheep being under the rod or passing under the rod. That's because sheep like to, they like to jump out of pens or when they follow other ones. Uh, I remember a cute little story about a, a boy that was uh, from a farm and uh, when he was young and he was trying to learn his uh, academic lessons, his math in particular, the teacher asked him, okay, let's see if we can figure this out. If you have 10 sheep in a pen, knowing that he's from a farming background, if you have 10 sheep in a pen and two of them jump out, how many sheep are left in the pen? And he said, none. And she said, no, 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 wait a minute. Maybe you didn't hear me right. If you have 10 sheep in a pen and two of them jump out, how many are left in the pen? And he said, none. She said, oh, I think you really need to work on your math. Uh, subtraction is very important in life. And he said, ma'am, I think you need to work on your understanding of sheep. Because if two jump out, they're going to all jump out. There won't be any left. Oh. They love to follow one another. And so when you bring them in at night, they pass under the rod of the shepherd. Because the rod is placed just high enough so that they won't jump over and him lose count as they're coming back in. 
And when my wife and I used to care for the sheep, like for a week, where while Alan and his wife uh, Vicky went on vacation, sometimes we had to start over, and you know, three or four times because we, it's like 200 sheep. And if we don't get it right, we don't know if there's any missing. And you go on out to the pasture when you find out, oh look, we got five of them missing. We're going out there, and they're oh that one's caught in the brambles, and you know the coyotes would have got that thing really easily tonight, and so forth. But. Under the rod means that we need to be under his authority. And we need to know that we are counted and we are one of his. By the way, the sheep know his voice. As we read in John chapter 10, when Jesus expressed that same thing. Uh, when, um, when I would go out with Alan, Alan would call the sheep and he'd start, Sheep! Sheep! And then he called the lambs, lammies, lammies. Sometimes he'd shake a bucket of uh, that had some corn in it. So they had responded, oh, oh, Alan's calling us. But when I do that, who's that? You know, it, it was always, but you know, sometimes the bucket with the corn in it helped. But so we'd have to go around and we always had more left out in the daytime pasture when we were pulling them in. Something else that the rod is used for. When that wool gets kind of thick, the rod, by the way, picture a machete, okay? Similar size, similar shape. And so it's a narrow thing, and you can get down and separate the wool so that you can see down those few inches of thick wool down to where the skin is. And so the shepherd can do a little examination of the skin condition of individual sheep. It reminds me of Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, where we read, Search me, O God. Basically, we need our good shepherd to look beyond the surface things in our lives and shine his light down deep where we may need some special remedy applied now and then. The staff then. Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff is a symbol of concern and it is symbolic of the Holy Spirit because it's all about relationship. The hook is used to bring a sheep closer, gently. Or the other end, the butt end of it, give them a little push in the rear end if they're in a dangerous place near the water, for example. It helps them along the path to go in a direction that they need to go. We also read, you prepare a table before me. That's the table land, the higher ground that the shepherd has gone ahead to prepare. David would prepare the area ahead of time. And by the way, this whole psalm, it takes you through one year in the life of a shepherd and his flock. And what he would do is he would go up to this table land and he would bring minerals and he would eradicate harmful weeds because some of the, the young lambs would typically try just about everything. And so they would get sick if they ate the wrong things, including some of those noxious weeds. So no wonder our, our good shepherd goes before us and prepares our way. He also lives to make intercession 
for us as we read in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. So for the sheep, the tableland is the highlight of the year. And the shepherd was typically delighted to see the sheep flourish at that time. Likewise, Jesus, when we follow his lead and we indulge in places that he has prepared for us, he is pleased. For me, this happened just a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned I was in South Africa and it was of incredible delight for me to be in 40 or so homes of the most destitute people I've ever met in my life. I got to pray for them, in all but three of them. I got to pray for them in their, in their situations. You anoint my head with oil. Sheep, by the way, are really bugged by nose flies and worms, and particularly in warmer weather. And so the oil that the shepherd used generally had sulfur and spices added to it. And he would apply it to their nose or to other affected areas, and relief was quick. Today there are other remedies, of course. I used to help to worm the sheep of Allen. You know, how often do little annoying flies, figuratively, become burning issues to us and drive us bonkers? You know, the oil of the Holy Spirit is needed in our lives. Then after the summer on the tableland, autumn falls, of course, and it's when the life of a sheep is at its best. And thus, my cup overflows. It speaks of abundance. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. A sheep under good shepherding experiences these. And David is saying that what he has been experiencing uh, is this very thing under the Lord's care. It's almost like a boast. Do we feel this way about Christ? He laid down his life for us. What kind of legacy are we leaving because of being rightly connected to him? We also read, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And house here has a very broad meaning. It means being in the possession of the good shepherd and being one of his family. It's almost like the sheep wants the shepherd to notice how they are loving being under his care. And by the way, one more thing. In John chapter 10, as well as in Jude, that little book, it's only one chapter. In verse 24, it says that he presents us to the Father. Think about that. The good shepherd, our good shepherd Jesus, because he cares for us and he takes us through our lives and he provides for everything that we need. He then presents us and he says, Father, look at these. They're a beautiful flock, aren't they? Lord, we are so grateful for what you have done on our behalf and what you continue to do for us day in and day out. We're grateful that you are our great shepherd. We love being under your care. Thank you for allowing us and showing us how we can flourish. We pray, of course, in your name, Jesus. Amen.